Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, a November international break special because... We're going to be dedicating an episode to the Romans of Fulham Football Club. I'm joined by George Cooper. Hello. Hi, Sammy. You all right, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you. And we're joined by Zachary Sweeney Lynch, one half of the awesome Upshot podcast. Hello, Zach. Hi, Sammy. It's good to be here. And also, we should point out for the record, a Fulham fan. I am a Fulham fan, yeah. Um, yeah. This So for, for a bit of disclosure, myself and George have been producing the Upshot podcast for a few months. It's one of the favourite things that we do each week. Um, and Zach is one half of the duo that presents the Upshot podcast. It's you and Jack. And it just so happens to be that you're a Fulham fan. The fact that you are is, is completely coincidental, but it makes things nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big Fulham fan. I've been Fulham fan for probably 15 years, so... Uh, it was actually my my cousin Kieran, who's a big big Fulhamish fan, <laughs> who uh, brought me along for the first time. Been a Fulham fan ever since. Yeah, you've wang got a couple of free tickets out of George <laughs> and I <laughs> as well. It's, been, bad, yeah, it's nice not being um, too bad. And because we produce the Upshot podcast, we were like. Um, let's let's do something a little bit fun for the international break where we give you a taste of the Upshot podcast here on Fulhamish. We would love you if you listen to Fulhamish to go over and listen to the Upshot as well. Do you want to explain, Zach, a little bit about what the Upshot podcast is first and foremost? Yeah, so the Upshot, so we're a, a new-ish podcast that covers all the gossip and scandal and controversy and drama from sports. So it's, it's basically all the stuff that BBC Sport wouldn't touch with a barge pole. <laughs> so... I do everything from Neil Warnock's naked team talks to Adrian Mutu drinking a porn star's blood uh, <laughs> to Nicholas Bentner being blackmailed for a boob job. If it's if it's ridiculous and funny and scandalous then you'll find it in the upshot podcast. Yeah, and your newsletter as well. And uh, our newsletter an email. as well. So we have a, a free a free weekly email uh, which you can sign up for at upshot.email and it covers all the funniest stories from the week. Yeah. I mean, George, we've done like so many of these episodes now. Uh, what, what, which one is your favorite? If you were recommending people to go over to the Upshot and listen to one as their first episode, which the one? introduction. I would, oh, I've got lots of favorites. It's like trying to pick my favorite sibling. I'd go for <laughs> Neil Warnock is a solid gold episode. Just laugh yeah. a minute, start to finish with the wonderful Greggy from Five Life Sport. Uh, also, I have to say I did really enjoy the Tiger Woods one. That was mm. probably the most salacious. It's quite sordid. It's quite one, sordid but... and salacious, <laughs> but it's uh, it's really good. And David Beckham as well, which came out recently. That was a uh, that was a smash hit. So the that... stories, the stories Netflix won't tell you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing about it is that it's all you know. It's not you can dip in and out of. It's an anthology. They're not you know like our podcast anchored to a particular event and go out of date so it's, it's like a it's like a sort of collection of dirty audiobooks <laughs> yeah that isn't a bad way of describing yeah. it yeah you can go back and listen from the start they don't date or anything like yeah. that which is a point with the podcast that we do with Fulhamish you know quite a lot of the episodes if you're listening to them two weeks later you're like what are these guys talking about mm. um and things date horribly often on uh, on <laughs> Fulhamish whenever I listen to something occasionally I don't go back often but if ever I somehow 
stumble on something from a year ago, I'm like, oh God, Sammy, what were you thinking? <laughs> um, so on today's podcast, and Zach, this was actually your idea. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a kind of spin-off of the upshot, purely focused on Fulham Wrongans. Is that correct? Exactly. It's a Fulham special. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really good fun uh, delving through the archive, putting together this episode and yeah, finding some of the some of the weirdest characters from from Fulham's recent history. I mean, let's face it, we're a weird club. Like Fulham as <laughs> clubs go is probably one of the weirdest. So yeah. there's going to be some absolute gremlins in the wakes, I think, coming yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. And, and, look, and just to kind of explain everything, this is all stuff that's like out there in the open. And I mean, maybe this might not be one if you've got, is it one for the kids in the car? There's a couple of uh, things in there. Cool. Depends, depends. How do you want your kids to grow up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's all, it's, uh, it's relatively PC. I it's think. relatively PC. Um, all right. Well, um, Zach's done all the research here. George and I know barely anything. I mean, I've seen kind of the outline of the stories. Some of them, everyone will know. A few of them I was like, what? I've <laughs> never even heard about that. So I'm excited particularly. Hopefully there'll be a few surprises. Yeah, for those ones. So Zach, who wait. would you like to start us off with? Well, I think there's only really one place to start and that's with Felix Magat, who's <laughs> probably not many people's favourite Fulham manager. Um, and, <laughs> Is he <you know>, anyone? <laughs> not many. Um, and it always makes me laugh because when you think of German managers today in European football, they have this image as sort of like slick, modernising gegenpressers. Like you've got your Jürgen Klopps and your Tuchels and your Julian Nagelsmann who have this sort of like really pally man management style of like being mates with all their players. Obviously, Fulham were not going to go for that. So it, wind the back, clock back to February 2014 when <laughs> Fulham are battling relegation. I think we're bottom of the table and... Felix Megat comes in to replace René Moulenstein. I never forget, it was Valentine's Day. Oh, really, was it? Yeah, completely killed it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, you barely touched your steak. How <laughs> <laughs> did you forget to get me a car? <laughs> your poor wife, Caroline. <laughs> yeah, that is not the, it's not the Valentine's Day you want. No, ruined it completely. <laughs> ruined, it for, ruined it forever. Yeah. <laughs> Really yeah, Sammy now views Valentine's Day as the day that Fulham appointed Felix McGann. That's what he's got saved in his calendar. Just black roses on the yeah. table. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the logic behind this appointment was that Fulham, you know, they're, they're really struggling. They just need someone to come in who's a really harsh disciplinarian who will just sort them out. Um, and that's what Felix McGat was. So I think at this point he'd been out of work for a couple of years and he'd only ever managed in Germany where he had the nickname Saddam Hussein <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also the torturer uh, because of his, uh, his sadistic training regime. So there's this story from when he was at uh, Wolfsburg and it was like a midsummer training camp and he sent, sent his players out on a, a gruelling run through the forest up this mountain in like... 30 plus degrees heat and they got back and he'd hidden all their water bottles <laughs> just so they're they're like absolutely dying here and he uh apparently he called, he called this he called this a test of character <laughs> extreme dehydration yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean there is an element and look i'm not wishing this on any but like part of me is like okay if i was gonna get fifty thousand pounds a week i think i'd do it i mean you've got no choice have you which well, generally, as, you know, these footballers, they're earning tens of thousands of pounds a week. If someone said to you, right, okay, Zach, I can, I can seriously up your salary here. 
mm. 30 grand a week but you're gonna have to do one of these a week you're gonna have to do a grueling run through the woods with no water bottle at the end yeah for 30 grand a week there's not much i'd not do <laughs> <laughs> it just can't be it can't be productive from a training point of view can no, it? Like, really awesome, like yeah. nutrition hydration and you know starving your players of uh of water there, there was this theory back in the it's like early 20th century is this, it was called purposeful dehydration theory that um some kind of scientists i want to call them um <laughs> like believed in they thought that like taking on liquids and anything whilst doing exercise would like slow you down so that's a really funny story i won't go properly into it from the 1904 marathon the olympic committee head or whatever it was hosted in the u.s an american guy uh decided in the marathon to test out his purposeful dehydration theory so they only had one water stop for the entire course and the marathon also started at like three in the afternoon in 30 degree heat something like 17 out of 32 or something uh participants like didn't finish due to like health complications one of them had a stomach hemorrhage because he inhaled so much dust oh my oh god. god but anyway so, so felix mcgaff was influenced by this basically Perhaps, yeah, he was, uh, he, was he made, you you said that he wasn't an innovator but yeah true. <laughs> maybe he was maybe. a disciple of this crackpot theory yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously with felix the the story is surely the cheese story, right? I assume, I assume that's, <laughs> I assume that's high on the, I, that's high on the list. But I feel like we, it, it, it can never be told it's too worth many retelling. times. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Um, so yes, yeah, so you've probably heard the story. Breda Hanglin gets gets injured, and he he goes in to see the physios, and they give him, you know, they're probably their regular um, recovery plans, a sports massage, and some some stretches to do. And Felix Bagat bursts into the treatment room, and he's like, no, 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 no. What you need to do, rub cottage cheese onto it and call your mum. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of dirty, doesn't yeah. it? It's the call, call your, your mum bit that I yeah, think's yeah. got lost in time. I yeah, think everyone yeah. knows about the cheese, but it's the fact that you had to ring your mum at the same time. And I think that bit yeah. has got slightly lost it only, as time it only works, has gone obviously. on. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that's the funnier bit. Than yeah. The yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Imagine how that conversation found out. Like, Breda, yeah. like, oh, hello, dear. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, don't ask. I've uh, <laughs> just been, been told to rub cheese on my uh, on my knee. Do you reckon, because there's no way the Breda's mum would have been aware of this, this old German. Surely no way Breda actually did it. Surely to God, Breda is too like logical and functional to actually press ahead with such a ridiculous. And who, who what was Felix going to call his mum and check? Like, I don't know. He's a pretty terrifying guy. I think if, yeah. you t- if, he, if Felix McGatt told me to rub cottage cheese into my leg, I think I probably would. <laughs> I'm going to be purposefully dehydrated the next day. Yeah. I mean, he really did though, just have an awful reputation. I remember that Lewis Holtbeard had Felix McGath as his manager before and and purposefully moved away to kind of leave Felix McGath and then he followed him basically whilst he had joined he just joined Fulham on loan a month earlier to, oh, really? to join the Rennie Mullenstein fun bus <laughs> <laughs> and then had Felix McGath back um, at his club are there any kind of those stories though from McGath's maybe back catalogue that we're not as aware of some McGath b-sides yeah <laughs> there was one from uh, Steve Sidwell who said that apparently on on away trips um Felix would insist that they drank a pint of beer the night before matches. So they'd be at the team hotel and they'd they'd go up to their rooms and he insisted that they came down at 9pm to the bar and drank a beer with him. (laughs) (laughs) Unsurprisingly, we were relegated. (laughs) 
Do you think he was just a bit lonely and wanted some pals on a Friday night? (laughs) You must be there at nine. It's good for the game. It's very, very old school. Actually, there's a, a, a fun sort of side story about Felix Magat that he played in the same Hamburg team as Kevin Keegan in the in the 70s. And they played under this, this manager, a Croatian guy called Branko Zebic, who was also famous for his really extreme, brutal training regimes, which is probably where Felix Magat got it from. But Kevin Keegan absolutely hated this and at some point he he decided that's it I'm I'm leaving and he announced that he'd be he'd be leaving at the end of the season and when he eventually did they went in to clear out his locker and they found his locker like plastered with drawings that depicted um Zabich treating the squad as prisoners and a little <laughs> figure of Keegan counting down the days to his release <laughs> Wow. It's like proper like green mile. <laughs> <laughs> these oh and these drawings God. are now in the in the Hamburg Museum. Wow. <laughs> mm. Good lord. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they, what they inscribed on the inside of the locker or is I think, he, I think they were they've been doing I them. think he'd drawn them and then like stuck them on the inside of his locker. <laughs> it's really prison stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we well, can see where uh, Felix uh, got the inspiration for. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um what's next then in your uh, in your so Fulham Romans list? Next this one I I, I want to qualify a little bit because it is Almost certainly untrue, but it is. <laughs> but what is it being a anyway? But it's also it's also so hilarious that it's worth sharing anyway. Uh, so this centers around um, Steve Malbronk's exit from Fulham in 2006. So you might remember it was he kind of left under a little bit of a cloud. I think he'd kind of fallen out with the team or with the, the club or whatever. Um, and the story goes that one training session towards the end of the season, afterwards the the players were in the showers and Chris Coleman came into the showers and saw Steve Barbronk naked and burst out laughing at the size when he saw the size of his, uh, his tackle. Oh, his pet, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> it's not, it's not, I've not, um, not something one man should do to another. No, I think. No, exactly, like, exactly, not, yeah. Especially not as and, a manager. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a leader of men, you better be building your players up. Yeah. Well, it didn't, it didn't go down, uh, well at all with, um, old steed and he fell out with um chris coleman unsurprisingly and and then actually handed in a handed in a transfer request (laughs) but that summer um it seems like well if you believe the fulham fan forum it seems that coleman's comments went to steed's head and he did undergo uh penis enlargement surgery (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this can't be true. <laughs> was, there, um, was there a pump found in his uh, vacated locker? I, I think it, I think it was proper surgery. Was if, it? You know, if, the, if the forums to be believed. Um, I love how um, our source is the uh, the Fulham <laughs> forum. <laughs> um, the Fulham forum gets a few mentions of this podcast yeah, when we'll, I looked we'll at the overview. We'll back to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, as you can imagine, um, penis enlargement surgery. I mean, I've, I've never done it myself, but I imagine it's quite a an invasive procedure. So he was out for a little while and other clubs that were sort of sniffing around him in the summer uh, were told that he had an injury. Um, but but Tottenham eventually caught wind of what, what had actually happened. Uh, but fortunately they, they saw the funny side of it and signed him anyway. And they told the fans that he was out for 10 weeks with a groin strain, <laughs> I mean, which he actually was. He, he didn't play for the first 10 weeks. <laughs> oh my word. 
mad. So, uh, I can't believe this. I, this is the one that I saw in the overview and I'd never heard of it ever. I was like, I, I need to find out what on earth this is about. So, I mean, it's, so it's, just to be clear, the, the, the rumour, should we call it, has was found on the Fulham fan forum. It was circulating on, on the yeah, online forum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an utterly baseless rumour. Did you get picked say. up in the press or anything like that? <laughs> not, not any self-respecting press outlets. <laughs> it was in nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and loaded <laughs> um yeah so steed if you're listening then apologies for for uh digging up this baseless rumor but it's uh i feel like it's worth a <laughs> it's worth a story anyway oh um, my god who knew that chris coleman had such an influence over his players yeah <laughs> i mean i remember being a bit gutted when steed malbronk left i remember him being yeah. get, like progressively angrier towards the end of his time at, at, no at wonder <laughs> <laughs> being his bonnet about something he was kind of single-handedly carrying the side I, I seem to remember but yeah maybe i thought that it was just because of fulham's form on the pitch that he was getting so angry but mm. little did we know george little being the opposite <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, we apologise to uh, the family of uh, Steed Malbronk for bringing that <laughs> one back up. Uh, up next, Zach. Up next is somebody who's very beloved among Fulham fans, a real hero, a legend, Mohamed Al-Fayed. Um, oh, wow, it's not even been a couple of months yet. It's like, <laughs> bloody hell. Oh. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> we did an episode two months ago about his life and times. <laughs> oh, no. I, mean, I love, I love, I love Mohamed Al-Fayed as much as the next Fulham fan. Obviously, there are a few examples of uh, Mo being, let's say, a little bit leery. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll stick to the, stick to the light stuff. So obviously, there was this infamous visit by Michael Jackson to Craven Cottage in 1999. Yeah, uh, when he came to the the glamorous uh, fixture of Fulham against Wigan, his first sporting match ever. First sporting match ever. I knew it was his first football match, but the really? first sporting yeah, match that Michael one. Jackson ever went wow. to. But he picked a he really picks them, doesn't <laughs> he? Blue zinger, yeah. <laughs> wasn't the Super Bowl. Wasn't, no. <laughs> wasn't Michael Jordan dunking them in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> it was Fulham v Wigan. <laughs> yeah, I mean big up to him. Yeah. He knows how to pick him. So he also apparently had this habit of handing out Viagra. Um, <laughs> so Chris Coleman said that there was a, there was a phase where he'd um, Alfired would come into the dressing room before matches and hand out Viagra to the players. <laughs> Presumably not to take before the game. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it say? Like you know, a win bonus kind of thing. Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, uh, there was another story um, when from Fulham were playing Arsenal and. About 20 minutes before kickoff, um, Alfired was in the centre circle with Arsene Wenger and Piers Morgan for some reason. This story comes from Piers Morgan and they're, they're chatting away. And at some point, Mo sticks his hand in his pocket and pulls out two little blue pills and hands them to Wenger. And Wenger <laughs> sort of takes them and is like, what was this? And looks at them and just bursts out laughing. <laughs> and, Mo, and Mo says to him, give these to your boys. We'll help them get it up later. <laughs> It's just like, it's not even disguised in an innuendo. It's just, yeah. it's just like, sorry. But I mean, it's one thing to do this in like, you know, maybe like the manager's office afterwards, but you're on the sense circle, presumably at Highbury. Yeah. Do you think he was just trying to throw him before the yeah, game? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just, mind just, games. Mind. <laughs> As ever, Chairman Mo will do anything for three points. When um, Fulham stayed up, uh, Danny Murphy, Heather against Portsmouth in the Great Escape year, he gifted every single player in that team a Harrods hamper, which contained various 
luxury items, I don't know, bottles of wine, champagne, Fabergé eggs, what have you. And then <laughs> lo and behold, Viagra as well. Oh, really? Danny Murphy's spoken about it before. He just loved it. He seemed to have like this sort of, <laughs> I don't know, subscription. He just had this never ending supply of little blue pills. That he <laughs> Did he have dish, shares dish or out. something in the pharmaceutical company yeah. <laughs> behind it? Probably. I've, I also heard somewhere that in that hamper there were uh, what looked like gold bars. Uh, and it turned out that they were just chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a bit disappointed, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think the players Whoa. were just oh, really, it's Muhammad Al-Fayed, maybe it is a gold bar. It's, oh no, it's just a Toblerone. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones when you get gold coins at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's just chocolate. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, right. So Mo- moving, moving forward. So, I mean, Fulham's current owners are probably a little bit more squeaky clean than Muhammad Al-Fayed, which isn't hard to be fair. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if you heard this story from, from September last year when Fulham proudly an- announced a, a new commercial partnership with, with Titan Capital Markets. <laughs> yes. Did you cover this in Fulhamish? We did a little bit, oh, okay. just, a li- just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, uh, we had the one and only Philippe Claire digging in. Oh, did you? Yeah. But still a, uh, a wild time of, yeah. of Full of FC and still to this day remarkable that uh, that this happened. Yeah, I mean, we could do a quick recap. So, so Fulham announced this partnership with Titan Capital Markets, who are a finance firm who allegedly guaranteed returns of of five hundred percent a year. So they had these promo <laughs> promo videos where it said, "You literally cannot lose. We can make so much money together," which, <laughs> which kind of rings alarm bells already. <laughs> so funny. Literally cannot lose. Um, I mean, imagine if they were true though. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. this company that just guarantees you, like, <laughs> oh, you want to make five times what you even made? Yeah, we can do that for you. No problem. <laughs> just just sign up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Except the terms and conditions. <laughs> So yeah, on the on the uh, on the company's website, it it trumpeted these huge profits uh, that dated all the way back to January 2022. And there was this glossy um, promotional video where they had interviews with key staff. Uh, they had this really swanky office setting, and it turned out that they were paid Malaysian actors. <laughs> <laughs> and the company was only founded in March 2022, so I don't know where they'd got these financial figures from from two months previously. <laughs> And it essentially was a pyramid scheme um, and they were using Fulham's name to legitimise it. So they, they actually said in their, in their marketing materials, no football club will partner with a fake project and they would have run a checkup to make sure the company is real before allowing the company to sponsor them. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. You would think so. Yeah. <laughs> Most clubs would. <laughs> That wording is just so funny, isn't it? Yeah. It's like they, I bet they were even surprised when they got that through. They were like, what? Yeah. Oh, God, we need to drum this one yeah. out. There were also a couple of spelling mistakes in it as well. <laughs> Brilliant. I remember going on the website when it was announced and there was this, I'm not sure if it's still there, but hilarious kind of golden graphics of these kind of Roman gods or Roman centurions that were on a sort of 360 spin. Is it, oh, are they yeah. still there? It just looks so crap. I think the website's long gone. <laughs> I remember that when this story came out, because like we'd only maybe a month or so earlier discussed W88, who was Fulham's sponsor last year. And like, there are extremely dodgy sides to a lot of these Asian facing bookmakers that are out there. But at the same time, they pretty much sponsor half the Premier League. So it was like, it's not great, but also like we're one of, you know, dozens of clubs across the country who have kind of got into bed with these Asian facing bookmakers. And as much as you can 
admonish it and say it's wrong everyone's doing it so your chances of actually like really like embarrassing the club enough to stop a partnership like this is slim but then about Mm. a month later this one came out and I was like bloody hell lads like this is absolutely (laughs) like blatant beyond belief like how have we how has this happened where do they find these sponsors like are they are people approaching them or are the club just going down some like dodgy market somewhere and i i wonder if there's agents at play that you would contact if you wanted to kind of sponsor a premier league club i imagine Mm. there's there must be middlemen yeah, I mean, there are people at the club who are in charge of sponsorships, and that's their that's their job. And they will just see the, the the figure, and when they'll have a string of offers, and they'll just go to the highest figure, and I imagine just find a way to, you know, yeah, make it acceptable. Pyramid scheme or not? Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because like we're, we're joking now, but these companies like W eighty eight got links to triads and stuff. It's really shady, murky yeah. territory mm, really. that. No, there's there's blood money, effectively. Let's move on then to uh, to your next topic. Um, Does this involve any more dodgy schemes? Uh, I wouldn't say dodgy schemes. Okay. (laughs) So we next next up we've got Bobby Zamora. Um, Oh, Bobby. uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's he always had kind of an up down relationship with with Fulham fans. We were talking before about. this season where he was just like shushing the the fans every time he scored and the the source of this apparently was messages that he'd read on the Fulham fan forum the famous Fulham fan forum <laughs> not speculating about the the size of his pecker or anything but, um, <laughs> more, about, more more talking about but his form here more about, more on about the pitch. his form, yeah um but he'd really taken it to heart and basically wanted to get back at the Fulham fans. I mean, how thin-skinned can you be? Because I remember there was a lot of frustration around Bobby Zamora before he hit that goal-scoring form of the 2009-2010 season. And he got, I believe, 20 Premier League goals. It was around that figure. And he really, really was, you know, integral to our team. And every single time he scored, he'd go over to the Hammersmith end and shush and tell people to shut up. And like, it was just pathetic yeah. <laughs> could you imagine if every footballer took every bit of advice that they read online maybe maybe it was the start of this new era of this sort of online relationship between fans and players yeah and he w- was just you know the first person looking into it so i read this story when you sent it to me zach and i was not aware of i knew that he was shushing the crowd because of criticism but i assumed that was from people on the pitch i'm oh, sorry from from the crowd or whatever i hadn't realized it was from a forum but not more incredibly, I thought this forum was on the official Fulham website. Mm. This wasn't an unofficial one like you'd get these days. This was spas. And I remember the official Fulham forum being on the official. Yeah. You can't even imagine now that a, a club would give that kind of platform to the fans on its own website. But Bobby Zamora, in fairness to him, must have been like, <laughs> what is this? I'm going on my own football club's website and there's people <laughs> slagging me off. <laughs> Would you suggest having a sort of uh, uh, a censorship layer of uh, only allowing good things to sort of North Korea on the website? I, I think that is ultimately why the official forum died because it was basically a moot mm. concept. You either would have to censor it in such a way that it like was just basically pointless to have a message board because no one could say anything bad, or you just didn't have a message board. Yeah. I mean, judging by the nut jobs that you get on Twitter, you can imagine how those uh, 
how quickly it would go downhill on the on the club's own website. Yeah. Do you remember what your handle was, Sammy? You definitely were on the forum. I didn't post. Did you not? You were no, a lurker. I was I wasn't a poster ever on a forum, but I, I looked a lot. Um I did use there is a Fulham forum that is still going called TIFF. Um, the independent Fulham forum, which I looked at a lot, particularly when I was a teenager. I would occasionally post on that, but you could post under any name on that. Yeah. I was Moussa Dembele the third. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't realise you were a message board poster. Yeah, that I loved great. it. Man. Great, wonderful community. <laughs> yeah. I think if I did, I honestly would just use like my initials, like SJ or something like that. I didn't ever have like a handle, like maybe on MSN or, or anything mm. like that. I did just, I was just or like quite... a fantasy football team style name yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No. Mr. Yeah. Dembele the third's good I like that yeah I, going back to Bobby Zamora though like he he never liked Fulham as a club he's a born and bred West Ham fan I remember I used to when I was um teenager after games there's a um a car park for a primary school which is about uh half a mile down the road from from Craven Cottage and that's where the players will park their cars and I used to go after the game with my program and a and a sharpie and wait for the players to come out uh, and then ask them for them to sort of sign um, <laughs> sign my program, and like most of the players were, you know, lovely, quite accommodating. They just wanted to get home, obviously, but they'd like to sign up stuff and then drive off in their Beamers. Um, I remember, but there were also people who'd lurk around who'd have like shirts and stuff, uh, who sort of older, more like kind of dealers, effectively. They're all like, you know, and there was a guy there with a West Ham shirt that he wanted, Bob, Bobby's more a West Ham shirt that he wanted him to sign. And then Bobby in front of <laughs> scores of young teenagers and fans just goes, oh yeah, West Ham, proper club, proper club. <laughs> All right. So I remember oh. being like, what the hell, man? Like, come on. <laughs> in front of your own fans. I know. He just, he, just, he just never liked Fulham. I remember going down to that car park once to meet the players and it was... I think it was the last game of the season and I had my um, GCSEs coming up. So I, the only thing that I had in my bag to sign was a copy of The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which I was <laughs> revising from for my, for my English GCSE. <laughs> so somewhere at home, I've got a copy of The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner with like Damien Duff and <laughs> Simon Davies and Chris Baird's autographs. In. <laughs> One that you'll cherish forever. Exactly. <laughs> That'll be worth something it one probably day. probably is. <laughs> Any other Bobby Zamora, um, apart from just shushing the fans and reading too much into official message boards? Yeah, so my, my favourite um, Bobby Zamora story is that he, so he used to date uh, this page three glamour model called Nicola T. I think they went out for a couple of years, but apparently um, Bobby had a, a six foot wide poster of her boobs on the ceiling above his bed. <laughs> no. Presumably. <laughs> <laughs> The thing I love about this is that presumably that would have been while they were dating. Yeah. He's literally lying next to the real thing. Yeah, sure, being, you, like, can, <laughs> you can just see the real thing. <laughs> but also putting a poster on your ceilings, not like that simple or like easy. No. It's a bit of an effort, isn't it? Yeah. You're just like falling down. You've got to get all four sides. I mean, I'm really worrying about the logistics more than the actual just <laughs> <laughs> slight weirdness of it. The only person I've ever known to have a poster in, on the ceiling is dentists. Oh, true. Maybe it's, yeah. yeah. That'd be a very interesting trip to the clinic. Yeah. <laughs> I just love to imagine the, the phone call to the, the Fulham print and press putting in that order. Just Bobby being like, oh, yeah, like, hello. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What's it? Okay. Robert. Yeah. Yeah. We got your order here. So um, what, what dimensions were you wanting? Okay. 
120 by 60. Yep, no problem. That's fine. Um, okay. So um, if you wouldn't mind emailing the JPEG, um, <laughs> just a quick uh, note with the JPEGs. You want it to be as high resolution as possible because with a poster your size, it can often get pixelated. So um, yeah, that'll be at info at fullandprintpress.com. Just send that through. Let me know when that's come. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it takes a little minute to come through. All right. Yep. Here we go. Just popped it up. Okay, right. <laughs> so just the one poster you wanted, uh, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that was an amazing impression. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going there often. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a similar it's experience. Yeah. Yeah. Sounded like a man that's ordered that kind of thing for himself. <laughs> I have been around George's house. I, I, I didn't spot any posters, but he might put them away when uh, he has guests yeah, around. No, I you just know. need to look up. Yeah. <laughs> So got a couple more left. So moving on to another another one from the same era, Clint Dempsey, who is always pretty hard dude, really. There's a story from Micah Richards that um, I think Richards had tackled Dempsey at some point and Dempsey just got up in his face and was like, you don't know where I'm from, dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's so from- good. <laughs> Um, and he, I mean, he, he did have a pretty rough upbringing. So he was, he was raised on a, a trailer park in yeah. Texas. It's quite, my image of it is, is like eight mile. <laughs> he, I mean, he is it's, actually, definitely my, it's definitely my image of it as well. Yeah. He does rap as well. Yeah, he, he does yeah. rap. Have you seen the, uh, the video, there was a Nike don't, advert. Don't tread. Did, don't tread, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, was, it was pretty pretty rough neighborhood, I think, growing up. And he kind of had a reputation for, for scrapping. So back when he was at um, New England Revolution, he got suspended for two weeks for... Um, fighting with his captain at the training ground and like chipping his tooth apparently my favorite story is from the um europa league semi-final dempsey had been told that he was going to play bobby zamora was looking like he was going to be out with an injury and hodgson had said to dempsey you're going to be playing and then at the last minute bobby passed a fitness test so roy had to go to clint and say look sorry you're, you're going to be on the bench and clint just like hit the roof and just like stormed out and punched through a window and severed his finger, like co- like completely severed his finger. And if you if you look at pictures from the game, his whole hand is is bandaged. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I mean, mem- you, you I remember do... the bandaged hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, the... I didn't know what it was for. I remember at one point didn't he have a black eye and a bandaged bandaged hand? He had a black eye for the Juventus game, didn't he? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember if he had a black eye or not, but. I mean, yeah, he was just incredibly uh, fired up man. Yeah. I, uh, I learned recently that um, him and Dix Natuhu hated each other. Oh, Absolutely really? hated each other to the point where they would put him and Natuhu on opposite side of the training, um, of the dressing room, because they just, if they came into contact with each other, it was just World War Three. How come? Do you know why? Just, I, I, apparently nothing, not like a specific incident. It wasn't like Dixon, I don't know, cheated on his wife with his wife or something. I think they just had a fundamental difference in personalities, two massive personalities that just clashed mm. every single time, which was uh, an interesting one to me. Cause I kind of thought Dixon was one of these kind of heart of gold 
people yeah. that would yeah, have a bad same. word to say about yeah. anyone. But yeah, no, not that Dick, uh, Clint Dempsey was not his favourite man. <laughs> no, and he's not, Clint Dempsey's not a man you want to cross. No, clearly not. <laughs> that poor window at Craven yeah. Cottage. And okay. I hope they kept it broken just for like... Is it a shrine now? Yeah. A shrine to Clint Dempsey. <laughs> this was, or they've named it. This is the Clint Dempsey window. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, when you see, you see these pictures of uh, when parents have framed uh, pictures that their kids have yeah. like, daubed on the wall in crayons. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's part, I haven't done one of the Craven Cottage tours, but maybe it's uh, maybe yeah. it's on the tour. That would be, uh, be a nice little addition if it was. Talking of uh, Fulham players who moonlight as rappers, um, <laughs> I was sent a video this week, um, which is supposedly a video of... Bobby Deckard over Reed rapping as he's about 12 years old. So a friend of mine um, from Bristol sent this to me. Um, and apparently, yeah, he, he was sort of friends of friends of Bobby. Um, I, I can't work out whether or not it is him, but but my friend insists that it is. Yeah, you can't sit to my feet, you can't sit to my back, and then step away to get straight up, fine, and in the end, you'll be pulling it down when I see that boy. Yeah, he balanced out. I think you're onto something, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's clearly very young, but he, he's got some bars. He's, he's, he's a talented man. He's got flow. Yeah. 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 Speaking of uh, Fulham players moonlighting as rappers, have you seen the video of Alex Awobi in the booth? No. <laughs> have you not? I mean, I'll let you guys uh, be the judges of uh, whether or not you think he's any good or not. Um, I, I would argue that young uh, BDR's got something on him, but... In my defence, I like to kick it and ball out on the attack. You can check my snap, I stay lit and I roll out with Michael Daps. Clips on tap, footballer fits, I'm on their social map. I preed my bro, he's dripping with Levi's on his back. Man, so many talented um, Fulham players in, uh, in, in rappers. We could, we could build up a little squad <laughs> like clan. Yeah. yeah i mean especially if you you know you go back over the years and you include dempsey as like kind of like the yeah the old man of the of the group and of course scott parker's uh streets yeah um, <laughs> of course of course zach absolutely loved it a lovely flavor of the upshot with a with a nice uh tint of fulham in there as well thank you for bringing us uh those excellent stories today uh, thanks a lot for having me on it's been been a pleasure George, your favourite? Oh, I... Oh, what was my favourite? Um, I really... I've, although it's probably untrue, I, I did really enjoy the, the Steve Malbronk rumours. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bobby Zamora poster for me. That is, that is just mad. <laughs> I remember when Nicola T was on Celebrity Big Brother and, you know, they do the bit like, introducing Nicola T. That was one of the facts that they brought up with her. So it's in the public forum that oh, Bobby okay. had this, yeah. I wonder we, if he still got it. Yeah. <laughs> all, these years, all these years later. Still his parents' garage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the ceiling. <laughs> George, thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Zach, man. That was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you on the Thursday Club later this week. Come on, you whites. You whites. <laughs>